Hello again and welcome to another episode of Voices from SA. I say it's another episode, it's the 52nd, but um, so that's some kind of milestone I suppose, although we did have a couple of repeats over Christmas, so yeah, I have to recalculate that. Anyway, thanks for tuning in and um, I hope you will continue listening uh, in 2019. My guest this week is Kiron Gina. He is an interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary performance artist. But as you'll hear, you know he's he's not one to be tied down by labels, uh, media, or any of society's social or sexual conventions. He wants to get in your face. Kiron grew up in Durban, and uh, so we chatted a little bit about that. But mainly spoke about his time in Johannesburg, particularly. His studies, time as a student, he studied both drama and film at the same time at the University of the Witwatersrand, and um, sort of then took the discussion into how those two fields have sort of inspired and enabled him to to become the the performance, the the, the artist uh, and dancer that uh, choreographer that he is uh, today. We also spoke a little bit about his approach to teaching. You know, he, he wants students to explore unheard of narratives. He says, recognize the potential, or at least to try and wean them off this kind of celebrity kind of quest that many of them seem to be on. Recognize their potential and, su- and success in relation to their communities, their immediate sort of surroundings, and not um, sort of base everything on international fame or claim or stardom. We also chatted uh, quite a bit about collaboration, the whole process of collaboration, and how he feeds off that that um, that whole that whole idea of getting different people with different skills into a room and workshopping and coming up with a a project that might seem quite different uh, in the end from how it was originally conceived. Um, so yeah, please enjoy my chat now with Kieran. Kieran, thanks for thanks for meeting me here this afternoon. It's a pleasure. Thank uh, you. We're at uh, Varsity College, downtown Johannesburg, in the dance studio. Is that correct? City Varsity. City in, Varsity. Um, a movement studio. Yes. This is your sort of one of your homes from home. Then. True. What 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 sort of what, what work are you doing here at at uh, City Varsity? Well, I run the movement portfolio for f- degree and diploma scholars, and. I teach them choreographic principles. I teach them movement one to physical theater up to contemporary dance, mask work, voideville. We touch base with um, contact improvisation. And generally, what I'm interested in in practicing with them as an academic as well is looking at indigenous practices and and dance forms that Mm -hmm. have been inherently in Africa, but have not been revisited or seen as um, classical or as equal as classical. So there's a strong interest in my senior scholars to um, reevaluate how we perceive indigenous practices as equal or even more pivotal than what we only constitute as academic study. Um, focusing primarily on Eurocentric or Western practitioners and theorists, um, not not to negate their practices, of course, but also to 
use their strategies and how do we document, archive indigenous practices, which mm. is one of my practices as an artist and researcher. Um, so there's quite a bit yeah, that I do here. Yeah, um, no, that sounds amazing. I mean, it's kind of, it leans into or towards that whole idea of de the decolonization of our education and our art as well in South Africa that came out of the Fees Must Fall protests, in, in a sense. Correct. Um, it's looking at new approaches and uh, a system of unlearning the things we've learned um, and really reevaluating what we constitute as academic and what has been perceived as slightly primitive, which I don't like the word. Mm. Um, but it's also to ask how do we begin a process of reevaluating Africa as the central hub for African knowledge and using art and particularly performative um, art forms such as dance or theater or mask work um, as the cornerstone to unraveling. I think the whole point is for us to learn how to play again and discover and that the approach through decolonization is through that. Is, is it like a process of unlearning in order to learn? Correct. It's mm. also... Um, not preconceiving notions, but rather improvising um, and using the art form of improvisation to rediscover and look at theorists that have come up with indigenous practices. But I'm very interested in storytelling and the kind of personal stories that exist here in Africa and South Africa while I'm here. Um, what, kind of the, what are the narratives we haven't heard before? And the narratives that I'm starting to flesh out are unique and the, the scholars themselves start to see and recognize that their stories are as powerful as our late Shakespeare's or our Meisner's. Mm -hmm. And they start to see the relevance of creating their stories and a foundation for them to be written about. Or what I do is I navigate and look at uh, practicing artists that have come out of South Africa but haven't been written about enough, um, such as Gregory Makoma or Mamela Nyamza, who are, um, I perceive, professional artists that have touched international shores but still inherently focus on rituals, indigenous practices within dance forms and uh, traditions. Mm. Is, that, is that a recent... Uh, exploration for you? Have you always been kind of interested in in that sort of retelling or, or telling of, of these new tales? I think it became more prominent um, after I think I once I left university and experimented a lot in the international scene um, and I noticed that the stories that were most interesting for them were the stories that were untold. And I felt... You're talking about foreign, the foreign audience? Yeah, international... Exposing them to something completely... Exactly. So your, your, your Europeans, particularly like your Swiss or your Germans or your French, um, they don't necessarily want to see, or I try to avoid them seeing the cliché of dance, African dance. Um, and I felt I was exhausted... Um, of them expecting me to do that, but yet I am of mixed race identity, and like I have a very um, 
mixed understanding of what constitutes my constellation as mm -hmm. an identity mm -hmm. coming from South Africa. So this also placed a lot of um, focus on how do we create stories where we also don't feel um, ashamed of ourselves that we're still replicating the same thing because they are paying for it, you know? Yeah. And became so important for me after um, the Fees Must Fall movement and that young people were starting to stay, take charge of we need transformation and we need rapid transformation. And the only way we're going to do that is if we start to intervene education. We can, of course, go to violence, but if we, if we see the crux of change through learning and lifelong learning, then this is the place it's going to give birth for um, innovation and potentially a new South Africa or Africa as a continent. Um, let's just, I'd like to just go back a little bit. Yes. Um, you, you're, from, you're from Durban. Mm -hmm. Durban, which I, a town that I love. <laughs> and hate at the same time. I think, <laughs> I think I grew, everybody I grew up that. in Durban. Um, did you, whereabouts in Durban did you grow up? So, um, backstory, grandfather from my mom's side made a mission all the way from Eastern Cape by foot um, and met my grandmother um, in Durban. And my other side was a similar experience. So there's a lot of mixing and like cultural ethnicities that are, well, unique in this space, hmm. which I feel were due to the fact that the harbor was so close and they brought in a lot of different people. Because um, yeah. Gina, I mean, that surname. Yeah. That's, is that, that's not Indian or? That's Pakistani. Pakistani. Right. Yeah, right. Because there was that leader, the, the sort of post-independence right. leader. Of, I, 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 was, I was meaning to actually look it up, but that was a Jinnah, wasn't it? Right. Okay, I'm, so I'm, I'm, well, I, all I know is that there is royalty of Jinnahs in Pakistan, but I've been so disassociated from that because I was brought up in South Africa. Mm. Um, I mean, my great-great-grandfather was John Dunn as well. So it's Whoa. like the mixture of all of these people yeah. coming together. And I mean, John Dunn also had quite a history, you know, yeah, um, and multiple wives. <laughs> so I was born in... Um, Addington Hospital in, oh, yeah. in the center of Durban. Mm -hmm. and on the beachfront. Yeah, I kind of stayed with my grandmother in Wentworth, which is a colored township. Um, South and of Durban, towards the old airport. Exactly, the old airport. Now you have to travel very far to get to the airport. Um, but I, I stayed there with my grandparents so you for grew a while. Up in like a, a the hood, yeah. I, community. I, exactly. I must say, my. My early childhood was spent there, so mm. I never really got to interact with too much. I spent much more time with my cousins who were of the similar age as me. Um, and then my mom decided to chase after golden dreams in Johannesburg to leave that city for mm. a better life of her children, you know? Right. So she brought me to Johannesburg, and I would only go to Durban to visit family over okay. festive periods or um, mm, school mm, vacation periods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still kept in touch with the the hood, as I say, which is uh, way more rough now. I mean, uh, yeah, I was there this past December and I was like, uh-oh, yeah. yeah. But there's still a sense of home there. You can't mm. just remove it. It's no, like... No, it's still familiar to you in some senses. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, are you an only child? No, I'm one of six. Whoa. Yeah. And you all, your mum moved you all up here? No, no, no. My mum is uh, a mother of four of us. 
and uh-huh. my other side has my dad has other children. All oh, right, okay. Right, so and he's still there? No, no, he moved to Johannesburg as well. Yeah. Okay. I mean, my mom relocated last year back to Johannesburg to look after my grandparents because they're frail and in their 80s, mm. so they need some assistance. And she decided to leave her finance job because all of her children have left the house, which is a great thing, and go back to Durban and look after old people. Okay, so you spent then your kind of teens and tertiary years here in Joburg? Correct. Okay. Yeah, I was schooled here uh, from foundation level right up to senior and then um, university. And where did you go to university? Fitz University. And you studied drama there or dance or... Correct, I studied drama, um, but I was double majoring, which I wasn't allowed to do at the time. So I was doing film and drama, um, which they strongly advised me not to do, but I was so adamant that I'm going to do this. Hmm. So I would run from uh, from rehearsals late at night to shoot like until 1 a.m. in the morning and then be at the edit (laughs) and then go in the next day. And I thought I was Rambo, you know? As a kid, you're like, nothing's going to stop me. (laughs) But this was good. And that was always your, I mean, did you come from a, a creative home? Was it, was, it a, was it a home environment that encouraged you to not only follow international film and, and literature, but also kind of understand indigenous, if I can put it that way, art and music as well? Or was that a journey you sort of went on by yourself? I think it was more the pursuit of my own um, because my parents didn't have much time to focus on introducing me into Mm. like different art forms but they were very open-minded and liberal in that sense that I could choose whatever religion I wanted to be Mm. and they exposed me to that Um, but it was more a journey of my of self-discovery through different um, aunts or uncles exposing me to what queer culture is, uh-huh. what um, jazz music was all about, yeah. um, downtown Newtown, the Mardi Gras. So there was all of these kind of young influences that really sparked um, an awakening or an, a consciously mm. being aware of what kind of um, art I would like to be directed into. I mean, it was also really interesting to note that when I was young um, in Johannesburg, and I, this was only later that I reflected back on it and I spoke to my mom and I asked her, like, why do I really enjoy sitting outside of a restaurant? You know, it's so beautiful here. She's like, well, the only reason you really enjoy it was because during apartheid, you were not allowed to sit inside of the restaurant with me. However, you were allowed to use the toilet but I was not allowed to accompany you yeah. as a little kid. Yeah. But we, I always shielded you by protecting you from being aware of what was currently going on. Mm-hmm. So you got all of these like rich narratives and stories that kind of pave um, storytelling. How old were you then in 1994 when um, South Africa had the, its first uh, elections? I think it was eight. Okay. Eight years old. So apartheid is kind of a bit of a fuzzy thing for you in a, in a, in a sense or kind of what, what well, do, you, I do, remember, do you remember I do remember certain parts of it I mean mm. like you were the, conscious of some separation exactly. or some difference or some totally yeah. I mean there was also 
I mean, I, I particularly remember the day we went up for elections and standing in the queue with my mom and oh, being brilliant. like, I don't want to stand here anymore. Why yeah. are we standing for so long? Sure. Like, what is this? And she's like, today is going to be the change of our future. Huh. So you, you have these like iconic moments yes. where yeah. you're like, as a little kid, um, observing what people are doing, but not being able to Fully define sort of, yeah. like what race is, what gender is, or sexuality, but also being, um, you know, I, I, I commend my mom for being what, what I seem, what she seems like a single parent. She always managed to not reveal the negative qualities so that we would build hate in us. Mm. And that was a, a commendable job that she did yeah. because only later when I started to realize when I got to university how um, messed up the country was at the time. And I was like, how do you, I mean, how did you deal with that? And that's kind of 10 years after that election then. Exactly. And you were still then confronting those issues of issues, prejudice and... I mean, at the university space as well, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, my mom was born... Uh, two years prior to apartheid starting and then lived her life throughout that experience. So, and she's still very warm and open to like the exchanges of diversity and inclusion. And I was like, well, how do you, uh, what did you eat? How, how did you brainwash yourself, you know? But I think it's also that invisible trauma that people deal with mm. and not necessarily confronting it. Um, and I guess when you're a, a woman of color, you've had so many obstacles to deal with before you could actually deal with racism, um, you know, as uh, with gender politics and like all be, always being subservient to men. That whole, um, what are the intersectionality of totally. kind of just total level after level after level after level of just being yeah. locked or... And you kind of numb that in a way so that you can also enrich a positivity within your children. She sounds like an amazing woman. Yeah. And there seem to be so many hundreds of thousands of those women as well in this country, I mm -hmm. think. Um, so you're at Vits. You call yourself, you refer to yourself on your um, webpage as a performance artist. Mm. Um, when you were studying, I mean, did you have a vision of what you... I mean, you're doing drama and film, so it's kind of schizophrenic already. <laughs> yes. Um, but you've managed to, I think, find a place now when you can, where you can use the skills that you learnt in both of those uh, sort of parallel uh, fields of study, if I could put it that way. Is, is that, would that be a correct assessment? Yes. I mean... My name is, uh, my title is always changing. And I think with the evolution of time and new technology and this kind of indigenous stories that I'm now interested in, I'm now calling myself an in, um, interdisciplinary artist. Okay. Or firstly, I start with, I'm a cosmopolitan Creole and interdisciplinary gender non-binary <laughs> artist. So there's like all of these little, I'm not trying to, box myself into one box anymore, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But the idea was always to see how I could... At, at the beginning, everybody runs into drama school with the expectation of you're going to be the next best actor, you know? And then slowly you start to unwind mm -hmm. through the course materials and you're introduced to so many different opportunities within this field. Mm -hmm. And I found yeah. myself drawn towards connecting myself to my body and telling nonverbal stories. I think because 
at the time I struggled with reading such dense material such as Shakespeare and I kind of felt like, uh oh, am I struggling with reading and writing here? Hmm. And found myself in a predicament at Wits University where one of the lecturers was like, you should rather just dance because writing in English isn't your thing. And I felt my voice yes. like shut down in that moment. At the time, it was a white lecturer, and I didn't understand it because you, you wanted to live up to the expectation of being one of the greats, you know? And then. Hmm. I kind of was shattered by that. Shame, yeah. And it really put a, mo a damper on, on my expression of using my voice as a tool. Do you um, think they meant that in a sort of honest assessment of your, of your well, skill, that they wanted to push you more into that because you were good at that? Or I think I was think good at it, and there was a, a keen focus from my perspective, mm. but... Still, in to, that hear that. to hear that, I mean, yeah. at that time, you also, in an incubator, you kind of want to be molded in the direction. And you want the freedom to do everything as yeah. well. Yeah, but I, I slowly learned that after my degree and, and going into teaching as well, I learned that using the, that kind of jargon with young people isn't appropriate because mm. it diminishes hopes and dreams, you know, of ever ascending um, what the worst expectation is. And let's be honest, English is not the only language in the world. And we should like stop focusing on it being the primary and, and focus on those marginalized um, languages and the way in which we choose to learn languages. Um, all of the stream of consciousness came later after I started licking my wounds at university, and mm. I kind of found that maybe I was more interested in conceptual symbolism um, because there was a strong focus on working with visual attributes. So like, um, and, and kind of streaming into visual art and sculpture of the body and yeah. finding ways to yeah. use choreography. I see that. Uh, to communicate and then using film as like backdrops of yeah. of escapism and how do we create surreal environments because mm. I started to realize I, can't, I cannot live in a I cannot re re reflect the world that I'm living in as exactly as it is so realism became a problem for me because I was like I'm going to always deal with trauma and I needed to find a different way of dealing with trauma as a, so I used art as a means of therapy for myself mm. of like telling the narratives I needed to deal with but I couldn't um, verbally express them, so I used uh, my physical body or yeah. other others' bodies as I choreographed on them, and then I found different ways uh, and perspectives. So instead of seeing the world where um, the North has Europe on top and Africa at the bottom, I shifted my perspective and I saw Africa on the top and Europe at the bottom. And how does that work? Like if we look at the world map, so all of those kind of concepts started to play. And I realized I wasn't interested in being in other people's work that were directors um, or, or had been written before, but rather start to write new stories hmm. and create new directions for our bodies to move in, as opposed to the, 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 the replica that had been created before. So almost like the, the classical works that you were being taught or learning mm. were, were not really reflecting your reality or your or giving you the space to express yourself in the way that you wanted yeah i mean during my university career i i started to experiment 
the senior I got, I started to experiment more with my own language. I was starting to define a language at university level. The language already. of your body? Language of my body, language of how I was directing and crafting work, um, language of how I was bringing different artists together in a space and unpacking concepts. And then I remember when I started, so I finished my undergraduate and then I got into the, my master's program immediately after because I was offered the opportunity sure. to do so. Because I, I did a really good project at the end of my um, undergrad and they were like, let's go to master's, come. Shit. And this was a really good step. Um, I kind of was so nervous at that point, but I knew that what I was doing was something that I was passionate about. Mm. And this for me changed a lot because when I entered into my master's year, um, Dada Masilo invited me to dance okay. with her. Okay. So she's like seen as the shortest, fastest, um, <laughs> South African, incredible mover okay. that moves at the speed of light. And she's been doing a lot of repertories of Shakespeare, Macbeth, um, Swan Lakes. So reinterpreting Reinterpreting it on African bodies mm. and uh, with a, a slight bit of like African traditional dances such as the Tswana dance or like I, I was invited to participate in Carmen at the time and it had a Spanish influence with a very exciting South African verbal expression. Did I perhaps see that? Was that here at the dance factory? Oh, no, I'm, I'm or at Vitz. I mean, she's traveling oh, okay. internationally across oh, the globe okay. with her works because, yeah. I mean, it's rich and it's also interesting I to see it. I must check that out. Yeah, cool. Um, you mentioned trauma. Yes. Well, can we speak about that? What, 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 what are you talking about when you say trauma in this context of your learning and your expressing yourself? Well, I think um, being surrounded by young people of color at university and listening to the differences of our counterparts at the time because now we're becoming more integrated and like everybody's supposed to arrive at this equilibrium and you start to realize that this isn't as diverse or as inclusive as it's supposed to be because uh, my Jewish friends are all arriving in their really wealthy cars uh, to the school, uh, to the institution, and they don't necessarily want to work with you because you can't drive home at night after rehearsals and um, they can jump in their cars and drive off. So you started to see like this alienation and segregation because of class and wealth, right? Um, and if we, and race then and race well. of course and this started to traumatize me a bit like okay so I can't rehearse at night because I have to take a bus home and that's a bit of a issue because my fellow classmates can't work with me or it was like weird stuff that started to make traumas in my mind and um, realizing for example one of my earlier works when I was still at university actually it was one of my first solos which was infectious mm -hmm. and dealing with like our long-term um, domestic worker I call them home executives now <laughs> um, because it's an appropriate name as they look after and um, but it's also a weird psychological 
mess up in your head as a young person realizing what kind of trauma or slave enslavement of black bodies was still currently happening in this country. Um, but this woman was like my sec second mother. She was a surrogate mother to me because she, she did everything my mom um, would do and more because my mom had to get more money in order to pay for her and so forth, um, or at least her children as well to put her children through education. So I would respect her in that regard, but then a, a time came where she passed away, and I didn't understand how she passed away, but she was going through a lot of coughing at the time, which was TB, and then my mom, a few, like we had to go away for a week, and when we came back, she was gone. And in this period, they had already planned that they would have to send the kids away so that they would have to deal with her going into, yeah, she would die from HIV. Sure. Um, so, like, all these, like, weird moments come into play. Or, for example, my younger brothers, they're twins, and they're playing cricket in Hillbrow Park. Um, and I'm obviously not with them. I'm with my mom for the weekend. But I then am in a shopping. Um, I'm These kids, brothers on your father's side. Yeah, my dad's side. Okay. But we share the same mom. Yeah. So they, they're busy playing cricket with their dad. And he, at the time, worked for Coin Security. And um, he obviously had his firearm. And um, he was chatting to a friend. So this uh, criminal guy then like, shoots him five bullets. And the kids are playing right there. They're young. I'm, I'm, I'm talking like seven, six, seven years old. And he just the criminal wants the firearm, basically. So dad he was shoot shot five times. Their dad, not my dad, oh, their but dad. their dad. Yeah, sorry, yeah. So you're dealing with these, like he dies, and then they, as little kids, have to run and find... He was shot dead. He was, well, he wasn't shot dead, but he was bleeding a lot at the time. He eventually died um, on the way to the airport. So I had like two younger siblings who were four years, my junior, four years apart from me. So they, they had to deal with that trauma. And like, I'm the older brother. How do I deal with that trauma? So you had a lot of like weird moments happening in your life, you know, where you don't understand why they're there, but how do I actually heal from all of this? Mm. Um, and I found that because money was short at the time when I was growing up, um, there was no way of being like, oh, I'll go to a psychologist and I'll get like therapy. You had to find means to an end to heal your own wounds, you know, and be proactive about it at the same time. Even though depression would seep in at certain moments, you would find that the, the healing factors became the moments where you allowed your creativity to, to flourish, hmm. you know? And whether that be reading some literature or listening to a piece of music or looking at old photographs and starting to reinterpret new narratives for them, that was one of my pro practices at one point. I was looking at photographs. Just imagine what the story was. And what was. was the story? Yeah, like yeah, two people standing there and then yeah. you build a narrative yeah, of, nice. of it. It's a fun exercise. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you, you kind but of... So you more and more than finding yourself as you... As you're kind of healing yourself, you're finding the confidence as well to kind of express yourself yeah. in, in new ways. This is true. And also listening to um, like my parents and my grandparents and their generation um, and the kinds of stories they used to tell. Because within those stories, there were morals and values learned from them. Mm. And this also amplified how I would begin to tell my own stories, um, whether that be verbal or nonverbal. But um, 
finding ways to communicate the things that were burning inside of me that I, I wasn't able to articulate, but mm. now I found an outlet to do that. Mm. It's interesting, well, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that, that um, choice that you made to uh, kind of maybe harping on this a bit, but it is quite fascinating because although you do use uh, film as one of the mediums in your, in your art, if I can, if I can yes. call it that, um, this non-verbal expression is using your body as, as a piece of art, if I can put it that way, is, is where you are most comfortable at the moment, I suppose, in, your, in this ongoing journey. I mean, who knows where you go next, or do you have an idea of where you will go next in, in your artistic journey of discovery? Mm. Um, just to go back to the film, I'm, the, the, there's something interesting about dismantling, and when you don't play the same, like if you have a character in a film speaking, but the language that is being spoken is not the same as what the character should be speaking, <laughs> or like changing the, the perception of how we view images is something that I'm really interested in, whether okay. that be two-dimensional or three-dimensional. And it kind of introduces new landscapes of utopia and dystopia. And if we're able to deal with using these mediums um, in a tumultuous crisis era that we are in with politics and social issues and financial issues, we're finding ways, to, well, I'm finding ways to use these mediums introduce new dialogues or at least how do we how do we shift flip the switch and be able to communicate mm. and i think for me i'm very interested in cross-disciplinary and collaboration mm. um there there needs to be uh, an interest in an architect and a fashion designer and a visual artist who maybe sculpts um, to a musician and the moving bodies and together we find a way to improvise. The old uh, traditional jam session that musicians have when they're coming up with ideas, you know, those are the most inspiring moments for those musicians because they didn't have a set piece of music to play but rather felt uh, the energy mm. from, from... of each other in a sense. Exactly. Yeah. And we see that all across the globe. And that's the same principle I try to invite now or what I would like to perceive in the future okay. in creation. So collaboration um, for you is, is an important next step in your, in your own personal development. Yes. And how, would, how does that work? I'm, I'm kind of quite interested particularly about um, the concept of collaboration in an artistic space because, you know, as you've sort of explained, art is kind of a highly personal thing and then to get three or four people then to come out with some sort of unified vision of something <laughs> is exciting and frustrating at the same time? Or, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you sort of manage that process? Mm, patience. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of patience and a lot of listening and... Um, Compromise. Yes, not trying to be the leader. Mm. Like that's the, the that's the ideal, and, and a lot of the time it's like not having a director 
and placing yourself in an environment where there's shared ideas and everybody has an equal opportunity. Is, is I that, sometimes that think that, that no, democracy doesn't work sometimes <laughs> in, in, in processes <laughs> of creation because it You do need somebody to say, this is what we're going to do. Yes, and it... Uh, but I, but like so that's, that's, I mean, that's what I'm trying to see how that... So I've had uh, de le uh, degrees, uh, years of different experiences in collaborations. The, some of my collaborators I've been working with in Germany, for example, have, it's our fifth year now working together. And the first year working... Different project each year? And a different project each oh, year. Cool. And in the, fifth year, in the first year, we wanted to stretch each other, literally pull each other's eyeballs out. And there was a lot of tears and a lot of backs, uh, like, um, uh, not say backstabbing, but a lot of stuff we didn't understand because we come from such different cultures and there's different behavioral patterns, for example, or ways of approaching... Just social mores and... Yeah, how, how do you approach creation? And, you know, there's also this kind of... I'm from Europe, we have had the standard of 2,000 years of creation in theatre, and I'm like, I don't give a shit. I have had the experience I've had, and I'm coming from a raw position of my personal stories, and you may be articulating the traditions and the norms that have um, kind of given you um, what you make today, because this is perceived as trending in Europe. I'm like, I didn't come here for trends. I came here to like <laughs> deal with trends. Yeah, deal Create with new trends. Exactly. How do we how do we deal with um, social political activism on our on my people? I don't really care about how to make beautiful stories in Europe or how to be how to be less symb uh, symbolic or that's too in your face. I'm like, I need more in my face right now because what we're dealing with is like sugar coating and creating these like, ah, oh, let's make, um, let's make our audiences. Yeah, but that's very highbrow. You know, highbrow art is only uh, seen for educated individuals who have seen that kind of repertory um, over time. And when you bring it to an audience, it goes in a country that has never seen those kind of conventions. I'm not saying don't do it because we are trying to do it, but it goes over their heads and we miss the opportunity to connect with audiences. Yes, so it's trying to, well, it's what you were talking about earlier with your students as well in this uh, um, investigation of sort of indigenous dance and art forms is to try and almost give them something or, or enable them to connect with the art in a, in a, in a way that's more natural than it, it would be for them to connect to a piece from... The classics. Right. And I think also uh, it, it's a privilege to collaborate. It really is because you have to have the time and you have to have the space. Then the, and then also if you can afford to finance the artists to, to play and to experiment because in those, in those spaces you start to see new approaches to creating mm. and new ideas. That's where we start to go, oh wow, that's such a new way of interpreting but it begins with the process of equal sharing and what are the kind of narratives you want to share. And then we find a, 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 a space of incubation. And, and in collaboration, we do like a series of like four weeks of throwing ideas and then experimenting. And then we take a break and this is what I've been busy with. It's like, then we take a break. Sometimes it's like six months later. Sometimes it's a year later. Wow. We meet again. And those ideas now have shifted Some, completely. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the ideas are much more sharper on how, what are we, what were we trying to say? And what are we going to say? Yeah. 
which becomes clearer for the audience in terms of, um, I'm also very uh, interested in, let's stop making passive audiences and more active audiences. What, interactive or getting yeah. response, provoking responses, exactly. or actually encouraging a response, totally. almost involving the audience in the in the performance yeah it's 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 the time we need to give our audiences the intellectual um, ability to also communicate with us and share in those moments so for me it's also about space how do we um, redesign our our traditional ways of sitting we don't have to have our audiences sitting on a on a raked seating watching the performer the audience can come onto the stage all of them at the same time and the performance happens and then you navigate them to a different position and somehow it starts to integrate i mean in classical spaces like the ballet and the music classical musical those things will never change i mean it's just the kind of way it's been going but i hope at some point maybe one day i'll direct a musical and then i will be like well we're changing it people this is how it's gonna go Lake's gonna take place <laughs> yeah and i also Put think the it, audience in it the bridges the gap between uh, like our big divide you know the haves and the haves not and have nots mm. um you know there's some really beautiful artists who are coming from south africa um, and never get, who are born here, but their work is exported all the time. And the kind of stories that they are telling is incredible, but it will never be shown here. Why? Because we're trying to replicate a model of Europe and, and the West. We're bringing all the Chicago's, all the big narratives, but for example, artists like Mamela Nyamza, always in Europe, never presented, represented here. And she's like, like in her 40s, an incredible ballet dancer and has a strong feminist power and like is pushing for women, but her work has never like exposed here. And I have to ask myself, where did we go wrong as South African, uh, as, the, as the arts industry, as a theater scene, as a performative scene? Still very elite, isn't it? Totally. And I don't think we're, we're creating enough opportunity to educate our audiences or allow our audiences to see what are the different variations on offer. It's a very or grow or grow, a, grow an audience, audience. In a different audience. Yeah, I, but I, I notice colleagues who are from here who are trying to push that boundary, go into site-specific places. Like an example would be P.J. Sabaha, who has done incredible work here um, in South Africa with the dance community, and now has moved his whole. Um, creative space to Mbumalanga because you can get mm. funding there from the National Arts Council and, uh, and the National Lottery and build educational programs for people who come from these rural environments but don't know how to engage with the dance form or mm. the practice of making. That's excellent to hear. You see, I wouldn't even been... I've, I've got a kind of quite, I suppose, tainted view of the government and arts and that, you know, really doesn't do much. No, but then you tell me that story, and that's an amazing thing. Yeah, I mean, grassroots level is, uh, there's something happening. And it's up to, for example, I would rather move to like a rural space, like the Eastern Cape, and, and start developing a center. Mm. Like my vision for the future is to create a, a research hub center for indigenous practices um, in art, in, in, in performativity, and invite artists from around the world to come and incubate themselves for four weeks, maybe three weeks, and work with people who are locals yeah, from Like there. a residency, it's do a workshops. Residency, exactly. But looking at things that are import, uh, important for here, 
We can't all become um, diluted by this one-dimensional thinking, you know? And I think there's yeah. something rich about having stuff in these um, remote locations in South Africa. And there are. I mean, Alfred Hinkel is doing something in... Ooh, Namakwa land, for example, and then comes here to Johannesburg and does a workshop and does t uh, chair training. Have you ever done, uh, this was the hardest thing I've ever done, but you, you like sit on a chair and you do ballet form, but you do it seated on a chair. Uh-huh. So, like all the ballet moves, plie, uh, plie and uh, yes, lift up here. On a chair. On a chair upright to hold your posture. Incredible stuff. I mean, there's innovation. Yeah. Uh, Gary Gordon, for example, did some great work in, in, um, at Rhodes University in Grahamstown, mm. started the first physical theater company. So it's quite a dynamic... The arts is... Particularly the performing arts and dance, then, even more particularly, is a very dynamic space in this country. Or, the, or are you saying the potential needs to still be... I think there, there's been an interesting foundation created by these practitioners. And now I think the, the youth generation needs to pluck up courage to, to pursue the, these different avenues. The kids that you are training? Yes. Is and that one of your missions, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I teach a lot of South African practitioners, and I think a lot of them are very interested in the, like, oh, let's take a selfie, let's go onto Instagram, you know, there's this a lot of disconnect from the physical, and like, what can we make tangible and change here, as opposed to trying to be, I, I'm speaking from my students who are young here, mm -hmm. and they're all trying to be these international superstars on the Instagram, which I don't have a problem with, but that's not the only thing you should be thinking about. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, this, there's a tendency for young people not to appreciate South Africans more. It's only when the, inter, when the South African goes international oh, and is, recogni is recognized, then they're like, that's an amazing artist. Mm. It's only so now. So it's almost like they need the approval of the West totally, still. Totally. And like for me, I've been lucky. I got garnered opportunities to do residencies in uh, De La Réunion and um, South Korea and Vienna and France, Germany and Switzerland and Brazil. And these are all because I, 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 like, I actively applied. I went, I discussed, I found out. And I find that there's not that kind Curiosity. of like hunger. Yeah, you've mm. got to be so thirsty for it that it's the last drop of water that's going to make you survive. And that when, once you arrive and you go, and now they invite you. And they're drinking water. They're inviting me to these places, and I'm nourishing myself. But the nice. thing is, I'm not being able to come back home and perform them in the spaces yet. You know, I'm, I'm only being invited internationally because there's a certain kind of, and I say this, because there is a certain kind of style. We, could, we only perform this style. Mm. You know, there's only this amount of funding. It goes through this channel. You have to, and I think there's not enough exposure for our young people to see that, well, I can actually make a career here and I'm going to boom and do, the, mm. uh, do amazingly. Um, it's challenging. That success is not recognition in the West. It's, it can be recognition right here in Johannesburg. Exactly. We don't have to be recognized by international people to, to recognize exactly. legitimize your, your craft or your, your craft. professionalism. Totally. Yeah. And it takes time. I think we, we're in a good direction. Um, there just needs to be a lot, m a, a lot more awareness of what is it that people want to see. 
and an experiment. And I'm very intrigued because next, in April, we'll have Dance Umbrella Africa. So the South African, South African Dance Umbrella closed down after many years yes. of servicing the dance community. And um, the State Theatre has now taken ownership of Dance Umbrella Africa, which I'm really excited about because I finally, I really didn't like this um, only South Africans for South African dance. I really like the idea of like seeing uh, the African continent and how rich the, the performance the caliber is there. The, the so that's happening the first week in April, oh, and I'm performing okay. on that. I'm oh, cool, performing cool. a new solo there. Oh, fantastic. Um, and that's going to be an interesting space. Oh, of, I'll definitely try and make that. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be rich. Kiran, thanks a lot for your time this afternoon. It's been, been nice. very cool chatting to you. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And we'll see you at the Dance Umbrella Africa yes. in April. It's the first week in April. Super. And yeah. I look forward to that. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited as well. It's a new festival, and yeah. I think there are going to be some interesting conversations to be had. Yeah. Cool stuff. Thanks again. Awesome. Thank you. Kieran is on a journey of discovery, of development, of growth, of exploration, of many things. And he wants to get as many people along with him as possible, I think. Um, you know, he's looking at ways to express the world around him that he feels sort of classical texts don't allow. And that's whether, whether that be confronting the trauma of racism or being queer in a dangerous world. Um, He's, he's looking at it and uh, confronting it and expressing it. Look out for Kiran at the Dance Umbrella Africa. That's from the 31st of March to the 7th of April at the State Theatre in Pretoria. The theme for the week is figuring the state of dance in Africa. And I'm certainly looking forward. I'm going to make an effort to pop in there and see what's, what is happening. There's sure to be some exciting stuff on offer. Subscribe to Voices from SA in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your colleagues, tell your friends, tell the world. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Claude. Cheers. Cheers.